0: You're tuned into the Velo News Interviews Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer here with Spencer Pollison. Spencer, you were in Louisville, Kentucky this past week for the Derby City Race, the final round of the US Cup CX. You gave some great content on the website about this race. And you got to sit down with Ryan Trebon, the head honcho of the entire series. What, what was that like? That's right. I invited Ryan into my lovely, sweets hotel room just outside of uh, Louisville Airport, right mm. near the venue. It's a new venue. And Ryan and I, we sat down at the table for a little while to talk about how he thought the series went in this first year of running it, also talked to him about what's in store for next year, the U.S. Cup CX. He's certainly optimistic. He's certainly looking forward to growing it and um, got some general thoughts from him on the, the world of cyclocross because, as we all know, Ryan was uh, one of the top dogs for quite some time as a pro cyclocross rider in his time.
1: So, wait, you did this in your hotel room? Did you have to, like, go out and get ice or did you feed him your pillow mint or anything like that?
0: I had to, you know, I had to make the bed and really clean up a lot of dirty laundry mm. Um and uh, I had to keep him away from the minibar, too, because I didn't want VeloNews to be charged for that. You know, I'm just being responsible. That's
1: true. Those uh, retired racers. Uh, anyway, let, I'm looking forward to it. Let's have a listen in with Ryan Trebone
0: Ryan Trebone welcome to the VeloNews podcast. And you did it. You guys did it. Your team pulled off the U.S. Cup CX Series here. It's the first... Major national level cyclocross series since the U.S. Grand Prix cyclocross ended. I think that was back in 2013. Yep. So,
1: uh, how do you feel? Um, I feel good about things. You know, I mean, my feeling about it. I don't think matters as much as the impression that we made upon uh, both the sponsors, spectators, fans, riders, promoters. I mean, for me, their opinion of how we did is a lot more important than my opinion of how we did. You know, I think. Um, we set out a certain um, amount of objectives, and I think we've achieved uh, the majority of them. And you know, obviously, like nothing's ever perfect, but I think we did a pretty good job. And uh, you know, I just want to improve for next year and hopefully build something that's a uh, bitchin'. You know, honestly, I mean, for me, that's just like it's doing something cool and that the people appreciate. It's awesome. Nice.
0: So we've had a pretty in-depth story on Velo News about what this series is, so people can go read about it. But For the listeners, just give us the brief summary, how it came together, why it's important.
1: You know, I mean, it came together as a kind of an offhand conversation between myself and Scott Tedrow, the owner of Showair, kind of about like what we could do to maybe improve cross racing in the U.S., and um, then we just kind of set in motion, um, you know, things to try to build a series, working with promoters, um, you know, promoters and media outlets, such like Velo News and stuff, and then with all the riders and teams to get everybody on board and kind of understand what we're trying to achieve, and then, you know, that's kind of the impetus of everything.
0: And so you ended up with four weekends, started off with the KMC Cross Festival in Connecticut, then down to Maryland, Charm City, The Cincinnati Cyclocross Festival. And finally, we are here in Louisville, Kentucky for the Derby City Cup. The last race was yesterday, which is a Saturday. I'm not sure, I think listeners will probably be getting this on Thursday after that weekend. But um, I guess what I'm getting at is how do those conversations go with
1: the various promoters to get them on board with this series? So, what happened is, you know, my whole goal was to make it as easy as possible for the riders um, to be at, all the top riders to be at all the rounds. And so we had to take into account, you know, the World Cup schedule at the beginning of the season in September, you know, the World Cup schedule in November if they wanted to go to, and in December. And so we couldn't just pick arbitrary dates um, that would work best for us. You know, we had to work with what would work best for the riders. And so I looked at the calendar and I said, I knew existing promoters that I had good relationships when I raced and I still communicated with occasionally, and uh, so I wanted to work with them, you know. And, I, and so what we did is we kind of looked at the schedule and said, this I think would be the path of the least resistance for everyone to be involved and not necessarily just in terms of dates but in terms of travel schedule we didn't want an event on the east coast one weekend the west coast the next weekend you know because it's just not possible for people to drive and or you know the teams to drive there and then even amateur riders to drive there that just kind of wanted to you know compete in all of them so you know I, I looked at the schedule and I said I identified races I thought would work really well reached out to some promoters and said this is the idea, you know. This is what we want to do. We don't. We're not asking anything of you guys. We all want to just bring value to your events and kind of incorporate them in the series, you know. And hopefully, we will look good by you guys looking even better, you know. And that was kind of the idea, and I think, um, I think it worked out, you know. I think uh, most of the races, their level of participation was up, um, level of kind of viewership online for stories and stuff was all up as well too and I think we kind of hopefully I mean I can't say we did definitively but I, I, I hope that we added a lot to their events. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you get any pushback for only having races on the East Coast?
1: Yeah you know I mean people are never gonna be entirely happy with anything you do um, and you know obviously people are like well I wish we had races out west I'm like well me too dude I, <laughs> I'm from Oregon you know like I would I love to have races in the Pacific Northwest and in California but you know, we started doing this the end of February. The schedule was already in place, and the reality is there's there was only one weekend on the West Coast, you know, and it overlapped with a C1 event at KMC, and so it wasn't just wasn't an, op- an option, you know. But going forward, I'm already trying to work on a schedule that's more robust, um, kind of more nat. Like people always say, it's not a national series because there's problems on the East Coast. I'm like, well, that doesn't really. It's not really true. I mean, I think a true national series is when you're attracting talent from all over the country to be there. You know, instead of just, you know, it wasn't like we just had people in New England racing, the Mid-Atlantic racing, those races. We had everybody, all the best racers from around the country kind of converge one place. And that, for me, is the idea of a true national series. You know, it doesn't mean we have to go in all seven regions of the country, you know. Um, So, I mean, obviously, I would love to have races in Oregon because it's way easier for me, you know? And it's like I have to travel out east the whole time just like when I was racing because that's primarily where all the races were. And so unless, you know, people want to put on more events in Washington and Oregon, California, Colorado, like that's just kind of where the racing is going to be. Can you name any
0: additional events you're hoping to add to the calendar for next year? Uh, No. No? It's (laughs) totally under wraps. Yeah. Can you at least say how many weekends you're hoping for the 2018 calendar?
1: At minimum, what we're doing now, Four. at maximum, I think um, five weekends would be enough. So perhaps know? one more. Yeah, you know, because I think with nationals being in December next year, it allows us the opportunity to kind of expand further into the calendar. They're Speaking with guys, you know, like Stephen Hyde, and I know Katie Antono or Katie Keogh, you know, and Ellen, those guys want to go to Europe and do the races and, November and December, and so this year I couldn't say, "Let's have a race December 3rd and then expect them to fly back. You know, I mean, the money helps with attracting people, but you know, it's expensive and it's time-consuming to fly back from Europe, and it's it's hard on them. You know, and there's only so much you can expect people to do. So, obviously,
0: running a bike race, running a, a series of bike races is a business. Maybe we should do a little business talk here to see, you know, how it went for this first year. Let's do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. So let's just do this rapid fire. All right. So strengths of the 2017 U.S. Cup CX series.
1: Yeah, I think we've had great, um, kind of recognition from the riders in terms of what we're bringing to them, um. You know, I I think we've had, everybody's kind of gotten on board. The promoters were excited about it. The Riders were excited about it. I think as the season went on, I think the fans kind of built momentum and people started paying more attention to it, you know, because it was an unknown, you know, and it wasn't a proven product. And you you can't expect people to instantly be on board with what you're doing, you know, the first year or the first weekend. And so I think as the seasons progress, people have gotten more excited behind it and they've seen like, oh, yeah, the racing's really good. And this is, like, a real quality production, and these events are awesome, you know, and people give a shit about it, you know, and that's important. Weaknesses. You know, I mean, I think for us, honestly, I would love to offer more coverage. Um, video, just more media coverage. Some live video, maybe? Yeah, but the expense, you know, yeah. and, like, we're, we're not, you know, <laughs> it's everybody's like, oh, you guys should do this and this, and I'm like... There's a budget, you know, and it's not a giant budget. We're working with what we can and trying to maximize every dollar, you know. And I think uh, those things there would be great to add, but you know, we need money to do those. And I think we've done a really good job and presented a great product with the budget we've had. All right, opportunities. Opportunities. Is yeah. That an A. No, it's
0: SWOT, S-W-O-T. Oh. <laughs> it's all right. It's your first year. Okay. It's okay. We'll give you a pass. Opportunities sure in terms of what? Uh, for the series. Where 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 can it potentially grow? In a, and where what where, where do you look at and say, wow, you know, if we just invest more money here or if we expand the series this way, it would move to the next level?
1: Um, I think we just... The one thing that I always liked about the USGP and I would like to do with this series is add more categories to recognize for it to you know not necessarily saying hey we want to make if we have a 10 round series make a junior category where we expect all the juniors to travel every every weekend I think identifying like four rounds that they could attend that would make it easier so we can get all the racers racing at the same time to kind of develop the junior program and do a U23. And, you know, because I remember when the USGP was going on, there were Masters 35, Masters 45 traveling around the country to do the races. And and that not only brings value to the series, but it brings more value to the rounds because they're getting more participation. You know, and that stuff, I think, is important. And I think that's how we build really good relationships with the promoters. If they see... Hey man, these guys are bringing 300 people more a weekend to our events, you know? And then there's sponsorship that comes with that as well too. Definitely. Yeah, those USGP weekends were just
0: unbelievable. I remember how how well attended they were and how how people just followed the whole series so closely back in the day like when you were you were up up against uh, Tim
1: and Tim Johnson yeah. and those guys. It was, it was awesome. It's it cool great to great see racing, people yeah. that are, you know, 45 years old and are like, "Yeah, I want to like this is a big deal to me," you know? Mm-hmm. And it's cool it was really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Alright, last one. Threats. What, 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 what is potential?
1: What would, what would derail the U.S. Cup CX? You know, I think building our relationship with USA Cycling is probably the most important part of doing this because we need them to support what we're doing in terms of growing the sport because we're not trying to grow cyclocross internationally. You know i'm not trying to grow the world cups i'm not trying to grow racing in europe they already have that like i want usa cyclocross to be healthy and i want sponsorship money to come back in for the riders and i want you know i'd love sponsorship money to come back in for us and we can help put on bigger quality events but you know i mean those are important relationships you know like because it's we need their assistance in terms of scheduling events if there's overlap you know and stuff like that because you can't just fight the current with things you need people to trust you and what you're doing isn't you know against their against the, against them you know it's we're we're trying to build it and help them bring more rider days and racer days to the country
0: so originally this series was intended as a winner take all prize purse but you guys decided to raise money midway through the series to pay through the podium three deep um how did that
1: uh decision come about so after Charm City, I was uh, flying back to um, to Oregon and, you know, watching the race on Sunday and, you know, it was the day two, it was really hot, super humid outside and, like, the racers were, like, killing themselves, you know, and they they looked like shit on the bike and they were all trying really hard and I'm like, these people are putting out a really good effort and putting on a really good show both days. and. You know, I like the winner-take-all idea. I think the the value of the ten grand for the overall was important. I think it's good to make a statement with that. But then I saw him race, and I'm like, you know what? These guys deserve something. You know, second and third place, they deserve something. They're not, like, I'm not giving them money. They're earning it, man, like tooth and nail every weekend. You can see the, you know, every race they've been fighting for it, you know, Saturday and Sunday. And, like, for me, that was important to reward them and recognize them for the effort because that's what we need. You know, we need people that are just like fighting every day, Saturday and Sunday, because the last couple of years we're just racing on Saturday in the C1 and then like not even racing the C2. Like that's not good for the promoters. That's not good for the C- the, 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 the cyclocross racing, you know? And so, but those guys, I mean, they are it for sure. A hundred percent, you know, like ex pro Ryan looked at them <laughs> and remembered his days
0: of suffering and felt a little sympathy there. Not
1: sympathy, man. I was stoked.
0: You yeah, know? Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, but you've been there.
1: Yeah. You know how that feels. But, like, it was this there's this awesome clip from that Sam Smith shot for the series uh, video where it's Charm City going up this climb out from the flyover, and Stephen Hyde is on the front just slaying it. And you can tell the look in his face. He's fighting for the win with Spencer. And then you had Tobin and Carey behind, and they were doing everything they could just to kind of, like, maintain that third, and fourth spot which, you know, normally if it's just a C2 and it doesn't matter anything, like it would just been sat up and finished fifth or sixth or not really cared, you know? But those guys were, like, fighting for it. And that that right there was kind of, like, my thing where I'm like, dude, this is good, you know? These guys are doing a really good job. That's
0: cool that the, that the series uh, inspired that kind of extra intensity. Um, uh, one last question on the prize purse. Sorry to put you in the hot seat a little on this one, but Lance Armstrong, at one point, tweeted that he had donated a $1,000 to the prize purse. Did you ever have, when you saw that, did you have any trepidation about him contributing to it and sort of getting a little bit of a splash by by
1: putting that out there? You know, I mean, I get shit from people for everything, you know? I mean, honestly. and <laughs> Me like Me too. <laughs> the, the thing that's good is, like, I also dish it out. And so, you know, if you dish it out, you have to be good at taking it, you know? And, like, I'll take Lance's money. I don't, I mean, it's... There's a certain point where it's like, you can't, if someone's doing something, like, there's never gonna be where I would, you know, go into business or like, you know, work with someone, but like, I can't, you can't try someone, I just told someone that you can't try someone for their sins forever, right? Like, if he's not doing anything negative now, like, people are like, you should give him the money back, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, man, like, I appreciate the support, you know, and like, and I'll take your money, like, and reward people for doing it, you know, and if it's just, people have opinions about everything you know and like i'm not going to knock someone for trying to help you you know regardless of the things they've done you know gotcha all right well
0: on to a more general conversation about where cyclocross is at obviously your first-hand experience with it makes you i would say an expert plus you've been coming to all these races through the first half of the season tell me about the current riders who what, what do you see as the rivalry to watch here in domestic cross perhaps the one to watch for nationals
1: you know i mean obviously i think steven started out pretty slow um this year and then for the men's side steven Mm. started out pretty slow and uh he's kind of picked up momentum i think just the training and being sick and then the heavy World cup schedule he just kind of came into the first two rounds a little on the back foot um but between the the two weekends he you know obviously focused and trained really hard because he looks great on the bike and What's been really cool to see the last two weekends is Gage Heck, you know, which is, he's 19 years old, and, like, he's strong. Oh, yeah. And, like, really strong, you know. Um, We have Spencer Petrov as well, too, who, you know, was second out of KMC, and he's, you know, been on the podium a few times, and, like, he's 19 years old, too, you know. Like, that's really good to see, you know. uh, We've had great racing, you know. Like, Tobin started really strong, and I think... He was a lot better in the faster races, but when it gets heavier like this, he uh, it's not, not necessarily his forte. So, um, and on the women's side, I mean, Katie Kios. Katie I mean, one is I think she's a great person, and two, she's just so tenacious and like consistent as a racer, it's really cool to see, you know? And you rode with her on the Cannondale team, I think, for at least a year or so, didn't you? Four years. Four
0: years? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So I know Katie pretty well, and, like, she's developing into her own person and racer, which is really cool to see, you know, and she's, like, you can tell she's becoming comfortable um, in who she is and winning races, Mm -hmm. you know, and people forget that she's, like, young. She's not, you know, she's been around doing this a long time, but she's probably 26 now, 27. So she's not, (laughs) not an old racer at all. How do you think she matches up with Katie
0: Compton? I know Compton is only – she 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 came for this weekend here in Louisville. She's based in Europe this season, so you haven't seen as much of her, but we saw them battle on Saturday. Uh, this is recorded before Sunday's Pan Am Championship, so we'll need a time machine to figure out who wins that one. But, um, you know, going forward, Nationals, when is, when is it going to be a, a real true – like rivalry between Keough and Compton for that Stars and Stripes?
1: Well, I think it is now already. I mean, if you've seen the races um, so far this year with the World Cups and even in Coxide and, you know, in the races they've done in the U.S., I mean, they're not that far off. We're talking about, like, a percent or two, you know, which is a difference. But, you know, I think, you know, they're not the same rider. Katie Compton's a, a more powerful rider, and you could tell yesterday Keogh was pulling back Compton on all the climbs, but Compton's handling skills were a lot better on the downhills, you know, and she was putting time in, in every corner, and then Katie would slowly crawl it back on the, on the uphills. And so I think her fitness is good. And, you know, she's a smaller, lighter rider, and Katie's just – she's really strong, you know, But and she's got tons of experience, and so uh, it'll be good racing. Yeah, you know? yeah, I hope so too. And, and also uh,
0: not this – January, but December 2018, um, I like to think of it as Nationals uh, and a half, kind of, because USA Cycling is going back to the December Nationals. Uh, We'll be racing here in Louisville on this Joe Creason Park course, which is actually new. In in years past, they raced on Eva Bandman it seems like this course is particularly difficult and selective very steep climbs very steep descents and like you're saying compton really showing off her handling on those descents uh is a little muddy as well which i'm sure played to her advantage
1: yeah i mean she was i mean katie looked katie compton looked really comfortable on the descents you know she's i mean if you i watched the copenberg race on wednesday and like Mm -hmm. she was just killing helen on the downhills but Helen's fitness, I think, just kind of played into her strength in the uphills. And when you finish on a climb, you know, like, I always liked it better when Copenburg finished on the flat main road mm. um, because then they would race down the downhill, and you to see people hanging it out. And, like, it's cool watching both, you know, because the, the finish of the men's race and the U23 race was awesome as well. You know, I mean, those guys are sprinting uphill, but seeing them just hanging out on the downhills is always fun as well.
0: You, you raced the Coppenberg when you are a professional. I never did. You
1: never did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of this time of the year, I think, it never fit in with the schedule we were doing. I don't think I was ever over there while it was going on.
0: Are there um, any of those big Euro races that you
1: didn't race in your career that you really regret missing out on? Zonovan the only one I look at and go, like, that looks cool. Mm. You know, like, I love the sand races. Like, I'm, I wasn't particularly, like, really good at them, but I enjoyed the challenge, you know, because it was every lap, you had an opportunity to get it right. And when you got it right, it was, like, the coolest feeling in the world but you got it wrong, like man, your speed goes from 20 to nothing in like five feet. And so uh, it was just, it always, it was always challenging, you know, and like, I think cockside worlds in 2012 was probably like the coolest event I've ever been to.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've gone from being at the front of the start grid to the guy behind the scenes at these races. Tell us about how that's, how that transition is and what, it, what it's like to, to look at these people out racing where you once were.
1: There's, a, there's there's points that I'm like, oh, I'd like to be out there just because I see a moment in the race where I'm like, oh, dude, I would just like put an effort in there or do that, you know? But I really like being um, helping promote the riders, you know? Like, for me, that's the most... What, what we're doing is, like, I want to build the riders up because I think they're a good... Uh, they're what the series is, you know? The races and the riders are what the series is, you know? And them doing really well and being more known and uh bigger names will help grow the races which will help grow the series you know and i think thinking the series is like the big picture i don't think is right i think the riders and the races are what make the series really good you know and that we only look as good as they they do you know our present and so um and i like doing it because you know i i my goal is always to treat the riders the way that I always wanted to be treated or the way I was treated by good promoters and good you know, sponsors and stuff like that. And I think if you treat people like how you want, that's the way to be successful, you know, like they're important, you know, and for me, I hope they feel value. They feel value, valued by us and the races, you know,
0: definitely, definitely. Do, do you feel like your professional career maybe ended sooner than you would have wished it had? <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. I mean, for sure. You know, I, in 2004, I think it was September of 2014, um, when I crashed and broke my back, I just, I struggled a lot because I tried to come back too quick to race, um, and I just, it took two years for me to feel, to not wake up and in pain and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it, it was just kind of a series of one injury after another, and it, it, it doesn't take, it takes a physical toll on you, but I think it takes a mental toll on you as well too because you just feel like shit, you know, and you like, all you want is to feel good and powerful on the bike and you're doing the work, but you never get to that point where you like feel a hundred percent, you know, and once you've had that feeling of like being good on the bike and like almost it's like an invincible feeling and you're like chasing that and it's just like there and it just, it's hard on you, you know, and, um, it definitely takes a toll on your outlook and your attitude and how you feel about racing because you're just like, you know, like. I just, all I want is that, but I can't seem to get it anymore, you know, and it's just the reality, I mean, not everybody gets to choose when they leave racing, or when they finish their career, and it's, you kind of have to go, yeah, I would have liked to done more, or I would have liked to race for another four years, but it is life, you know, and so I'm happy with the things I've done, you know, and I'm I'm glad to be doing this. This is just as fulfilling. It seems
0: like back problems are kind of a common thing with cyclocross racers. Um, obviously, yours is a crash, so it's a little different. But for instance, Tim Johnson yeah, we always, retired I mean, over with the yeah. back chronic back injury. I've heard of other riders having issues with it. It's kind of a well, it seems gotta, like
1: a cyclocross thing almost. Yeah, I mean, you have a really you have really rough ground you're pedaling on, low cadence, and I mean, a lot of it is like all your power gets transferred through like your lower back, you know, and your core, and so and you crash a lot, you know, and even small crashes. I mean, that stuff adds up, you know, you got 15 years of 10 crashes a year, you know, that's a lot of like impact. And I mean, I, it's important to take care of yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And most of us, you know, we don't because we just, you rush to get back because it's like, I need to race, I need to race, you know? And so we just all make the effort to try and be there quicker than we should. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's a tough balance to strike. All right, well, we got to get over to the park here for the Pan American Championships here, so we don't want st- to stay too long, much longer in my delightful suite here, the Candlewood Suites, just outside the airport here in Louisville. Let's wrap it up with one quick, uh, well, it's sort of one question, but it's football season, so let's imagine that cyclocross is so big that there's a fantasy cyclocross league out there. You're our expert, Ryan. Give us your sit 'em, start 'em, and sleep 'em or sleepers for for this fantasy fantasy cyclocross league. So so the, you know, the sit 'em, the guy who you feel like is maybe not quite coming around, starter, top guy who you know is gonna perform, sleeper, someone who you gotta watch but maybe isn't grabbing the headlines. Let's let's do Eurocross so so that we're kind of all taking it up to the next level here.
1: That's tough. I don't know. I mean, I would say my and would be definitely uh, Lars Vandahar. I think he's kind of coming on um, pretty strong. Um, I don't really have it. You know, Sidem would be... I don't really know They're it. all over in Europe.
0: You can say it. They they won't. I come know I mean there's
1: <laughs> there's guys that are kind of I think they the tailoring their career. Like, mm. guys like Cosman turnout that I kind of would expect to just kind of come around, but last year they didn't seem to. Mm. I think I would just you know put them and then my sleeper. You know, I think Wu van Eric's gonna come back okay. at the end of the season. I think he's kinda of, I hope I think I, I I like watching him race. I like his style of riding. Um and so I'm hoping he kinda of comes back in January. You know, December or January is a big six week block of like great races and I think, you know, you can be really fast in October and early November, but you know, that stuff will catch up with you late in the season. It's a long season. It definitely And it is. gets heavier as the year goes on too. Which is better for him, yeah generally
0: speaking. But man, Matthew Vanderpool looks pretty pretty <laughs> He's a little unstoppable, unstoppable right unstoppable, now. yeah. yeah. But who knows? Yeah, it uh, he looked that way going into Worlds last year, and look what happened. So, cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ryan, and great work with the Show Air US Cup CX series. We're looking forward to seeing how it is for 2018.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot.